0: Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. A gay, pleasant evening for all. Oh, a word of caution. Mom or pop, go with the kids when they leave the car. We hope you have a wonderful time.
1: Welcome. Welcome Welcome.
0: Welcome to the Dead Zone. Welcome back, all you late-night weirdos. That's Danny over there, I'm Whitney, and this is the Dead Zone Screening Room.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: Hi. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) Uh, You're ready to talk about some giant reptiles? Boy, am I ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you weren't before we watched it, you are now.
1: Oh, absolutely. I was always up to talk about it, but definitely am now.
0: Well, all right. I say we get to it.
1: All right. I'm excited. Well, Just to recap,
0: a few months ago, Danny and I inherited a traveling drive-in theater and were told to watch horror movies of our choosing to figure out what we want to add to the theater's vault and what to leave behind in the dead zone. The only other rule is to never be late opening the drive-in for those who are able to find it. Uh, Oh yeah, the theater moves around, it's never in the same place twice, and it's a mystery as to where it'll show up next. But if you can use your knowledge of horror and follow the clues in each episode, you might be able to figure out where the drive-in will show up next. And currently, we are in the fourth of a five-week series of movies we call Grinders, where we look at some of the best exploitation and grindhouse films from the 1970s. And this week, we were in for something special.
1: Yeah, this movie was... A literal treat. I didn't have any expectations going into it, and I I think that was for the better. And it was it
0: was a delight. It it was an unexpected little gem. Had never seen it before. Honestly, had never heard of it before. Same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a different kind of thing from Toby Hooper. Um, I, we just got to talk about it.
1: Yeah, we get. That. <laughs> This is one of those movies you can't really, you've just got to talk, you can't tiptoe around it. So, of course, this is where I need to warn you guys that if you want to check out this movie beforehand so we don't spoil anything for you, now is the time. So, go ahead and pause here. Go check out the movie. We ended up renting it on Amazon Prime, I believe. I do think I saw that it was on YouTube. If I find it, I'll link it in the show notes. But, of course, for those of you that don't care to watch it, still. Stay here and join us. We're going to spoil everything for you. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of it. We're going to describe our favorite new crocodile to everybody, and it's just—it's going to be a fun time. So everybody needs to end up here at some point and listen to our words. Please and thank you. Otherwise, you might get eaten alive. That's all I'm saying.
0: (laughs) Uh, All we're saying is there's a big pond in our backyard, and there's no telling what's in it. I
1: have lots of fog machines and lots of red lights. (laughs) Endless supply of dry ice. (laughs) Yes. All of our neighbors, not a fan, (laughs) but we make it happen.
0: Well, before we get to all the fun good stuff, let's talk about the wiki. So, Eaten Alive, known under various alternate titles including Death Trap, Horror Hotel, and Starlight Slaughter is a 1976 American horror film directed by Toby Hooper and written by Alvin L. Fast, Marty Rustem, and Kim Henkel, who also co-wrote The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The film stars the original Morticia Adams from The Addams Family, Carolyn Jones as our Swampland Madam, Neville Brand as the hotel proprietor-slash-serial-killer and crocodile-owner, and a baby-faced Robert England, long before he would don the makeup of Freddy Krueger as Buck, your stereotypical womanizing backwoods asshole. Working under the title Death Trap, Eaten Alive was filmed entirely on the sound stages of Raleigh Studios in Hollywood, California, which had a large-scale pool that could double as a swamp. Shooting on a soundstage instead of a practical location contributed to the atmosphere of the film, which director Toby Hooper described as a, quote, surrealistic twilight world, end quote. The film eventually proved to be problematic for the director, though, who left the set shortly before production ended due to a dispute with the producers. The film's plot was very loosely based on the story of Joe Ball, also known as the Bluebeard from South Texas or the Alligator Man, who owned a bar with a live alligator attraction during the 1930s in Elmdorf, Texas. During this time, several murders of women were committed by Ball, and the legend states that he disposed of his victims' bodies by feeding them to his pet alligators.
1: What?
0: (laughs) Well, it was never proven that the flesh found in the pit was human. I I feel like... They would know how to do that, but this was in the 30s. Uh, But Joe Ball would end up committing suicide at his bar on September 24th, 1938, after discovering he was about to be arrested by the police in connection with the murders.
1: Uh, that seems a little hinky. A
0: little suspicious.
1: I, hmm, (laughs) hmm, hmm, hmm. I have some research to do. Although
0: passed with cuts for its theatrical release in Britain in 1978, when Eaten Alive was released on home video under the title Death Trap in 1982, the film became one of the first to wind up on the list of video nasties. But in 1992, after cutting about 25 seconds from the original, it would finally find its place on UK home video. It wouldn't be until 2000 that the uncut version would be available in Britain on DVD. Of course, the film has never been a critical success for Hooper. Released on the heels of what would become recognized as one of the greatest horror movies of all times in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hooper's Eaten Alive would be lambasted as one of the worst. But that would somehow lend to its charm and later its status as a cult classic. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of a whopping 29%. Oh yeah. TV Guide awarded the film two out of five stars, stating, quote, although eaten alive is not so unusual or terrifying as Texas Chainsaw, Hooper does a fine job of building up the southern Gothic atmosphere and continues his brilliant use of sound to enhance the sense of unease and suspense. End quote. And Bill Gibron of Pop Matters rated the film 6 out of 10 stars, noting the film's sloppy script, poor lighting, and lack of narrative sense, but stated that the film was, quote, so undeniably inept, so horrendously hobbled, so gosh darn god awful that it's friggin great, end quote.
1: I think, um, first off, that a 10-star rating system is a little excessive. That's a lot. It is. That's a lot to live up to. And there's too much range. Too many options. And for a Libra like myself, I don't I don't really like it. It yeah. makes me uncomfy. Got it. Uh, but I got to agree with the rest of that. It is uh, gosh darn awful, but it's freaking great. It is.
0: So why don't you tell them what it's about?
1: All right. Well, the synopsis reads... Deep in the swamps of southern Texas, disfigured, psychotic Judd manages a sleazy, decaying motel. Upon learning that one of his guests was a sex worker, he promptly impales her with a pitchfork and tosses her to the crocodile that stalks the nearby waters. This is just the first in a series of slayings, and as the croc's belly begins to bulge with victims, people grow suspicious. Outsiders begin to poke around the motel, but Judd simply sees them as more treats for his pet.
0: All right, well, already the synopsis tells you that this is just going to be fun. Yes. No one, I I would think, from that description would go to this thinking they're going to see some tour de force of filmmaking.
1: Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> please
0: don't. Even though our Mr. Hooper had already hit it out of the park with Texas Chainsaw, it, it's really, uh, it's his masterpiece. Yeah. He didn't do so well following that up because this is literally the next movie he makes.
1: Look, this one, this one was for funsies. (laughs) This was. He was like, look, that is my peak. (laughs) He's like, I don't
0: know what y'all expect from me. I'm just, this is what I'm capable of from now on.
1: Yeah. My brain is exhausted and now all I've got are Crocs. (laughs) And for me, I get that. At the end of the day, after a long, hard shift, all I got are Crocs in the backyard and I'm not afraid to use them. And maybe he wears them too. <laughs> I, I hope he does. That would be adorable. <laughs> the thought of Toby Hooper <laughs> walking around his house, full on croc mode. Oh man, I love it. It warms your cockles, doesn't it? It really, it really does.
0: All right. Well, we should probably talk about this movie.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: Instead of poor Mr. Hooper and his footwear. <laughs> so starting off, uh, it's just the moon. That's just a, the moon. You just see the moon. Uh, we hear a lot of swamp noises, mm-hmm. frogs, uh, some, I guess, dogs howling, coyotes, I, I don't know, swamp monsters. It's your classic swamp soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Running alongside some weird sci fi music mm-hmm. and a big belt buckle. Yep. Just a big old belt buckle right in your face. Mm-hmm. It's the entire screen is a belt buckle. Yeah. Uh, and this here is Buck. And he's raring to fuck. There you go. That's uh, literally his line. My name is Buck and I'm raring to fuck. And if anyone out there is a fan of Kill Bill, you probably recognize that. And it's so wonderful to finally see where Tarantino ripped that off from. (laughs) Uh, Because there's uh, a character named Buck in Kill Bill. And uh, he is there to do the same thing to Uma Thurman. Uh, he doesn't get to, I'll tell you that. Spoiler. Hey, that's that's your one. And of course, after the belt buckle, we still got to get this extreme close up and watch him like undoing the belt mm-hmm. and then undoing his zipper all while he's talking this poor girl up about what he's going to do to her.
1: My thought is that that was a pretty expensive belt maybe um, in that time. Maybe it was somebody's favorite belt. Maybe somebody's grandma gave them that belt and said, look, wear this, wear this on your first day and and big big things are going to happen for you, champ. And, you know, I don't know. I just feel like we needed to have that moment with the belt to really appreciate it. Well, it's a nice belt buckle. (laughs) I mean,
0: beyond that, I can't say much about it. Yeah. Uh, But the camera finally pulls back and we see exactly who Buck is and oh my God. It's a teeny tiny baby Freddy Krueger.
1: Yes. The it,
0: literal cutest. It is
1: Robert England and he is adorable. Yes. Just I I, I was like, my mind doesn't comprehend this. He's so so tiny. <laughs> and but a mere babe. He is
0: so young. But he's also an asshole.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, but he's also, like, not a great guy.
0: I mean, the character he's playing. Yeah.
1: Uh, Robert's
0: lovely. But Buck here, he wants the sex with Clara, who is a sex worker who wears a really bad wig and works for Miss Hattie. And Buck wants to try something new and has a surprise for Clara. But Clara knows damn well what that is, and she doesn't want any part of it. In fact, you can tell she pretty much is not into any of this. I mean, she looks (laughs) bored yet horrified at the same time. Yeah, she's horrified. And I don't think that's any way you want to go into that situation. It really isn't. Well, he starts to get way too rough with Clara. I, I mean, he is smacking the crap out of her. And she just keeps screaming, no, no. And he, of course, tells her there ain't no such word as no. Well finally this is just too much for Clara and she has had enough but all Buck wants to do is get what he paid for and he really was smacking her pretty hard. I mean you can see red welts on her body. Yeah.
1: I mean I was like holy crap. Yeah, I noticed that as well. I was like cuz it was one of those things where I was like I couldn't tell if it was just a lot of takes and by that point it had just gotten red but yeah, it was it was really red. <laughs> yeah. Well Buck
0: tries to make his move again, but Clara just ends up calling for Miss Hattie, and here she is, Carolyn Jones. But why does she have
1: so much powder on her face? I have so many questions. She's like extra white. It's, it's, um, actually almost gray, if we're all going to be honest. It was a little, I literally on my notes said, why is Miss Hattie's skin gray? It just didn't know what was happening. I I couldn't figure it out. I mean,
0: I understand she's supposed to be older. Like this is an old lady who's run this brothel for so long Mm -hmm. and that gives her character. But Carolyn was only 46 at the time she filmed this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, not an old lady by any stretch of the means. So they put this makeup on her to
1: try and make her look older, I guess. But it just looks like shit. Yeah. That was a thing. I couldn't, <laughs> I was like, okay, is it age makeup or is it like just bad makeup that isn't supposed to be age makeup, but it's bad and it looks like age makeup. Like I honestly couldn't tell for the most part, but yeah, I just didn't quite understand
0: Yeah, what it was, was happening. I couldn't tell until a scene later on where the lighting was a little different and you could see how this very thin like latex was yeah. kind of bunching up Mm -hmm. when she would speak (laughs) yes (laughs) I mean it really is some of the worst makeup I have ever seen in my life but my thing is either hire an older actress that's age appropriate for the character you want Mm -hmm. or adjust the character's age in your script yeah because the thing is we never see her young so the only reason to do an age makeup is if your actor has to be a younger age mm-hmm. throughout a portion of the movie and then we see them as an, at an older age because it's easier to age someone with makeup than to make them look younger. Trust yeah. me, women have been trying to do it for years. <laughs> <laughs> but I I didn't understand this decision. That's just her age. She's just supposed to be an old lady. I, I guess he was just so jazzed to get her, you know, because she was... I mean, a well-known name at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just a very odd decision.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, this was for funsies, and that's what it was. So <laughs> you <know>, Why not? <laughs> Let's throw
0: caution to the wind. <laughs> well, Buck apologizes to Miss H, and again says he just wants what he paid for. But Claire says she ain't doing that, not for 20 bucks. Fair. And maybe I'm just not cut out to be a whore. Her words. So Miss H tells Buck he can have anyone else he wants, and Miss H proceeds to kick Clara out of the house. You know you've hit rock bottom when you get kicked out of a brothel.
1: Yeah, but at least Clara held her ground.
0: <laughs> she really runs a tight ship. Well, she calls Ruby, the housemaid, and tells her to get this tramp's bag and get her out of here. And Ruby ends up giving Clara a few dollars and is really very sweet to her and tells her she can find lodging at a hotel down the street yeah it doesn't work out very well for her but it's it's very sweet that she was just she you know she gives her money Mm -hmm. and you know wants to make sure that she's taken care of Uh, Ruby's my hero yeah we needed more Ruby I think Mm -hmm. and that really would have taken this movie to another level yeah well, Clara takes off through the woods for some reason. Are there <laughs> no roads? She just comes meandering through the trees and then comes across the house from Resident Evil 7. <laughs> I, I fully <laughs> expected there to be someone's creepy, bent-legged mom walking around on the ceiling in there. I was like, what the hell is going on? I uh, played this game.
1: Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> well, but I'm, for real.
0: Yeah. It, it really did have that vibe. And also, Clara can hear something hissing in the yard, but we can't see what that is. Suspicious. Could just be a bunch of sassy gay men. (laughs) Sis, what are you doing? Don't come in here. Very dangerous.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's why this whole scene it, it really presents itself as really dark and dreary i mean like we joked about having the fog machines and the lights and everything and this whole scene is really well i mean from here on out it's really dark red lit foggy Uh uh-huh and and yet everybody's just like oh here's a hotel i'm gonna (laughs) go stay here it's like are you sure there's no other lodging around or even like your car somewhere because your car down the road where it's not red and foggy <laughs> probably is safer there was nothing about this house and that's what it is it's a house mm-hmm. there's nothing about it that says hotel no i kept forgetting it was a hotel like all these people were in and out and i was just like i, I don't know i guess i just thought they were one big giant <laughs> family <laughs> a big commune was crazy pappy who just <laughs> they grow some maui wowie out back he is the Maui Wowie. Up <laughs>
0: <Back>. <laughs> They call themselves the Loving Spoonful. <laughs> <coughs> it's oh. The 70s is a crazy time. <laughs> well, the door is opened by someone, but then they just walk away and she starts talking to the air. She's like, hello? <laughs> I saw your son. <laughs> hello? <laughs> I'm sorry, if a door just opened and no one was there, I'd be like, nope, this is not the place to rest my pretty head. Goodbye. Yeah, I I don't understand. (laughs) Is there a park bench I can sleep on? Because that is preferable to walking
1: into this nightmare (laughs) in the mist,
0: is what this is. Yeah,
1: I just, I don't understand why everybody was just like, and even like he was like the town, everybody just knew who he was. Like he was just the town crazy. Yeah. And it was like, why does everybody think this is okay? Like everybody's <laughs> just cool with the fact that he's the only house on the street that has an insane amount of fog. <laughs> and, You're, you were really hung up
0: on this fog thing.
1: Well, because like it, it was just red and foggy the whole time. And I was like this isn't natural (laughs) (laughs) you know in the i know that i haven't been to any swamps Mm -hmm. i realize that and i don't know maybe it is my own ignorance but i bet (laughs) i've been i i do not recall a lot of red
0: uh fog yeah maybe it's sundown it'll get a little orange and hazy
1: yeah yeah no i mean i totally get it i you know it, it's a lot of shadow play and you know definitely helps to uh soften the lines of crock and makes him That's so <laughs> sexy in all of his crockiness oh no it still didn't do that <laughs> we'll talk about that damn crock in a bit So I totally get and it was still fun. I just thought it was it was so funny how it literally it was like, does this fog like never go away? Does the weather never change here? (laughs) No.
0: And and the whole thing was so obviously done on a sound stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean I felt like I was watching a play the whole time. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, once Clara has just come the fuck inside, because we've seen enough of these by now to know that in the 70s, everyone just walks the hell into properties without permission. Mm -hmm. So, but in her defense, I would assume, even though I wouldn't do it, someone (laughs) opening the door, maybe that's her invitation. Well, now some Stephen King in his beardless phase looking motherfucker. Did he not look like him?
1: Yes. I made a note about that because... (laughs) I did a double take. I was like, I didn't know that he was supposed to... That's not him.
0: Yeah, You still haven't seen Creepshow yet, have you?
1: No. Uh, he
0: has a part in that. <laughs> he plays this good old boy farmer uh-huh. and a meteor hits his property. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite lines that I quote from that movie all the time to this day is he reaches down to poke at it mm-hmm. and gets it on his finger and he goes, ugh meteor shit, and wipes on his <laughs> overalls. So it, as soon as I saw this guy, it reminded me of that character. Yeah, yeah. And I immediately, my head just went, ugh, meteor shit. <laughs> That's so wild. That's exactly who he looked like. Yeah. Well, this is not Stephen King, obviously. Uh, <laughs> this is Judd, and he owns the Starlight Hotel. But he doesn't really greet her or anything. He just... Comes out and makes a bunch of grunting noises yeah. at her. He's just like, eh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's very caveman like. Well, she hears that hissing sound outside again, and lo and behold, he does speak, and he explains how that ain't no ordinary gator. That's a croc, and a croc is better because they move faster in the water, and they'll eat anything. Ate a mule once, left the front end just a screaming. And that's that's what we're in for. Yeah. And that is about as coherent as he is through the entire movie. Mm -hmm. Nothing that he says from this point on is going to make a lick of sense. (laughs) So everything I will be telling you, I will be paraphrasing. Yeah. Because it's mostly five minutes of. He said to. So what are you going to do? That's that's Judd. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I thought was a weird choice is why make it a croc? I mean, you're in the swamps of of southern Texas into Louisiana, that whole area there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: full of alligators, big enough that you could feed people to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know why we felt it necessary to substitute a, an animal that's not even native here. Yeah, I just thought it was an odd choice, and to
1: like give it this specific like persona. Because it keeps coming up throughout the movie. Yeah, that it's a croc. Yeah. 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 It, it, I I just kept
0: wondering, you know, were there a lot of alligator movies up to this point?
1: <laughs> Did Hooper feel like that's been done too much? He's like, look, no, that's old news. Hear me out. Gotta be a croc. Crocs. And then he puts his leg up on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Not just for your feet
0: and i went by god let's do it oh i you've done it again <laughs> well as judd takes clara to her room he recognizes her as one of miss hattie's girls and starts to aggressively hug her i don't know what he's doing at first he like goes in it almost looks like he's going to like caress her head and like you know swaddle her head to his bosom or something like it's going to be real gentle and then all of a sudden he just like starts thrusting his body into her and just smacking the shit out of her why is there so much smacking in this movie it was like
1: so aggressive yeah he just immediately started like body slamming her and slapping the shit out of her and it was just like very fast And all of a sudden he was like i know who you are (laughs) like freaked out (laughs) Uh, she puts up one hell
0: of a good fight and they go tumbling down the stairs and they're both kind of, you know, out of it for a minute. She comes to first and gets out from underneath them and makes it as far as the front porch. Before he pulls her back in with a pitchfork that's just, you know, lying around on the porch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then just proceeds to murder the hell out of her with it. Yes. I mean, stabby, stabby over many and stabbies. over and over and over.
1: <laughs> it went on for a
0: very long time. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was many stabbies, m- lots of bloodies. Lots of bloody, but... It, it 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 wasn't
0: over the top or no, anything you no, never no. actually see like any any contact no, actually not at all. it just you see her face and kind of blood splattering up Yeah. i it, almost
1: it, picture somebody like below the camera just like squirting
0: yeah, exactly. ketchup bottles up or something yeah <laughs> yeah but i just the the way that it's edited together and shot it gives you enough impression of what's going on and it makes it a little more you know cringy than than what you're actually seeing yeah
1: yeah exactly
0: it also sounds very squishy
1: (laughs) yes there's some
0: some good squish noises Mm -hmm. in there
1: yes it's so it's so wet stabby (laughs) (laughs) makes me uncomfortable well now it's
0: time for the star of the show and the dinner bell has been rung for the old croc and judd dumps clara's body into the murky swamp water uh but it's done off camera, I mean. Once she falls in, you hear all this chomping and splashing mm-hmm. around, and and you know what is happening. Uh, but we still haven't seen the old croc. No. And and I start to think, oh, he did it the smart way. He, he's going to go the Jaws route, yeah. and keep it hidden. No, that's the Jaws hadn't come out yet, so he didn't know that trick.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well.
0: Now everything is red and pink and psychedelic, mm-hmm. and I feel like uh, we're watching Color Out of Space for a minute. <laughs> like, did we did we switch this? Things have changed. Uh, but instead of Nicolas Cage, we see a monkey playing with his food, or rather just kind of picking through it, like, I don't want any of this shit. I had this shit yesterday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why don't you come eat some of this <laughs> shit?
1: <laughs> yeah, I may know about that, too, because I was like, what? Uh, uh, where? I thought it was like a transition scene. Yeah, and so I was like, "Is this like going to be a thing?" Like now <laughs> we I'm... just
0: put weird animals. Yeah,
1: in yeah, because I just thought it was like meant to kind of, I guess, represent like that other, like Judd's craziness. You yeah. know, just kind of represent how chaotic all of that scene is. But nope, things changed. But I, initially, I was like, oh, "This is weird," but okay, I can get down with it. Uh, yeah. Well,
0: I started thinking, is this a like a killer monkey? Does he feed like fingers to the monkey? Oh yeah.
1: Side character. He's like a sidekick. Croc with a monkey sidekick. <laughs> Croc and monkey.
0: Oh, I'd watch that for sure. Oh, yeah. Adult Swim, get on that. <laughs> Make it happen. Well, next, Judd is sitting in his bedroom singing and muttering to himself. All the while that he's singing, muttering, saying things, he's looking at a porn magazine, but he's trying on different glasses in an attempt to be able to see them better. And I, I'm assuming these are glasses maybe from former victims. Mm-hmm. Are are we to make the assumption that he's killed people in the past? Because that's the gist I got f- from the synopsis. It was kind of like, he's this crazier serial killer guy. Yeah, yeah. And then all these people come to the property and they die too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense for sure. I think in the moment I didn't realize that. But that definitely, I think, uh, was dropped in there to kind of allude to that. Yeah.
0: Well, whatever the reason, it, it's just a long scene where nothing really happens, and we keep cutting back to the monkey, and he's just depressed, but we do finally see some shots of the croc, but just its back floating through the water, and and
1: that's not so bad. No, it, it's a it's little fine. tease. Yeah, just it's just a little, little hump. She's being a little sassy with us. We're like, okay, all right, we see you. <laughs> we see you, queen, all right. Well, next up, we see a family pull up to the hotel.
0: Uh, There's the dad, Roy, mom, Faye, who I'm sure you didn't recognize. But this is Marilyn Burns, who played Sally Hardesty in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I did not. She just now has a short black wig on, which is terrible. What is with the bad wigs in this movie? Yeah. Uh, And then we have uh, their young daughter, Angie, who's what? Probably about six, maybe five or six. Yeah. Uh, they even come as a complete set with Snoopy the dog. Yeah. Aww. And uh, oh, he won't stop barking. He won't do it. He's going to in a minute. Yeah. Well, dad goes inside, I think to pee. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, while the daughter tries to wrangle Snoopy and mom wants to know how far it is to Tyler, Texas. Yeah. In the meantime, Buck shows up and is bragging that he's just the best womanizer in the whole world, and he wants to pay up front for a room. Well, Judd takes his money, but he don't like the idea of all that fornicating, so he chases Buck off, uh, at least for the time being. But then he starts muttering to himself again. He's going, he ain't having it. He ain't having it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, who? What? What are you talking about, man? (laughs) Well, meanwhile, the daughter has discovered the monkey and is poking at it with a stick. As you should. Because apparently the monkey's not depressed. It's just dead. Yeah. And now I'm depressed. Yeah. I I didn't need a dead monkey.
1: It was cute. Yeah. I don't think that was necessary. And things don't get better. If they
0: don't. Because Snoopy has found his way to the edge of the swamp. Do we all know what's happening? Yes, we do. And I
1: hate it. This isn't Charlie Brown. (laughs) Okay, this isn't the peanuts. We just want Snoopy to come home. That movie made me cry. Snoopy come home. It's
0: very sad. He got lost. We'll deal with that trauma later. We have to deal with this one now. Uh, well, <laughs> he's at the edge of the swamp and is barking at the croc, to which the croc just says, "Don't mind if I do," and helps himself to some Scooby <laughs> oh, snacks. A little happy. All right. <laughs> Delish. Uh, this, of course, sends Angie into a tizzy. I mean, poor girl still hasn't processed the monkey's death. No. And now she's in full-on shock. It's a loud shock. Oh, she is screaming yes. and just, this is it. Sure, I don't know. This If this was a real thing and happened, this poor child would never recover because th- this is just the beginning of her day. But uh, I will tell you. That Angie was played by an actress named Kyle Richards, her and her sister Kim Richards, most well known for the Disney movie Escape to Witch Mountain. Uh-huh. Uh, they were both huge child stars. Kyle would go on to also star as Lindsay, the little neighbor girl in Halloween and Halloween 2. And both sisters would go on and star in the original Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, wow. That's, that's really her. interesting well next Judd comes running up and he's trying to apologize because he doesn't want them telling people that this happened but the parents just insist that they get a room so they can lie Angie down and get her settled and they get in there and they put Angie on the bed and Faye is trying to calm her down yeah. but she's being very aggressive, aggressive. <laughs> yeah, she's like Angie calm down <laughs> Angie. <laughs> like, lady,
1: shaken baby syndrome is a real thing. Let's settle. And, like, who has ever calmed down when somebody's aggressively yelling at them? Like, oh. that's not how you get a person to chill out. And that's pretty much
0: what Faye is doing at this point. I mean, she needs to calm down before she can get her daughter to calm down. Yes. Well, meanwhile, Judd is off muttering again, telling himself, you got to do what you got to do. I guess he's telling himself he's going to have to kill the family too now, or mm-hmm. all this gets out. Or he could be thinking about a haircut. I don't know what he's talking about ever. Well, back in the room, Faye's popping pills, and Roy is trying to fix his watch by whacking it repeatedly. And he's also very sorry this <laughs> happened. He just <laughs> jumps up
1: and screams that <laughs> just out of the blue. This is literally the point in the movie I was like, oh. Okay, I don't actually have to know what the fuck's happening here. Okay, I got it. Oh, no,
0: because it gets weird. Yeah. So then Faye just gives him this look of death. It just, like, shoots daggers with her eyeballs. Mm -hmm. And it sends Roy into the weirdest fit I've ever seen in my life. He's all sweaty, and he's clenching his outstretched fist at her, and he's just like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: and then he just stops yeah and you're like what what is happening is this like an inside joke between y'all because we don't get it we're all outsiders here it it was the scariest
0: point <laughs> of the movie to me i was like because it was just so out of the blue yeah. and unnatural i'm like <laughs> what's going on I don't like
1: what's happening right now yeah because I thought it was like about to be uh, uh, introducing him as like another like crazy killer or something Mm -hmm. like that and that's when my mind was like nope Shutting off, this is too too many things happening. I don't actually, I'm not going to be able to process what's happening, so I'm just going to not, and I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. And I really think, honestly, that's what you need to do when you go into this movie. Yeah,
0: just look at the pretty pictures and laugh at the goofiness and just have a great time with it. Yeah. Well, now downstairs, Judd is pretending to clean, (laughs) kind of awkwardly, because he can still hear Angie crying and Faye and Roy arguing. While outside, a man and his daughter show up in search of a couple of rooms. This is Mr. Wood and his daughter, Libby. And as he's checking them in, he shows a picture of a woman to Judd. And oh my goodness, it's Clara. And she even has that bad wig on in the photo. Which I think is rude. Was that her everyday wearing hair? I feel like that's laundry day hair. Yeah not I'm gonna get my photo taken here Mm -hmm. it's just a really bad wig Mm -hmm. and I I, I figured she was wearing it because you know she's incognito and doesn't want people to know what she really looks like so she wears this wig Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. and so it's no big deal that it's obvious that it looks really bad yeah yeah like it's a persona that she would like put on when she got to work basically I
0: was like so was she already in that life when she had this picture taken
1: Mm
0: -hmm. is weird Just like most of this movie. Yeah. But you just go with it. (laughs) Of course, Judge recognizes her, but just says, nope, I don't want nothing to do with that. If you're looking for that, you have to go check out the brothel down the street. To which Mr. Wood replies, what? Are you sure? That can't be right. That's my daughter. Dun, dun, dun. Bum bum. So poor Clara was uh, just a young girl on the run and was doing whatever she could to support herself. So Mr. Wood and the non-sex worker daughter go off into town in search of Clara. So interesting fact about our Mr. Wood, uh, or actually Mel Ferrer, the actor who plays him, uh, he would go on to appear in another giant man-eating reptile film in Italy's 1980 film The Great Alligator. Ooh. He must just really be fascinated by this type of genre yeah Uh, and he would also appear in legendary director Umberto Lenzi's 1980 cannibal exploitation film also titled eaten alive oh wow that's really interesting serendipity It it was meant to be meant to be he's meant to be eaten alive with the alligators and the crocs there you go he made it happen for himself good on him yeah It's called making your dreams come true. That's a thing of beauty. It really is. That is... He knows the secret. (laughs) The key to life. (laughs) Well, upstairs, Roy is freaking out and wants Faye to put a cigarette out in his eye. I didn't... Again, it's just gotten (laughs) wacky. Yeah. I guess he's asking for punishment because he feels it's his fault for allowing this to happen. He, He shouldn't have chosen this place to stop or he should have... Been watching the dog. I don't know. He's taking this very hard. Mm -hmm. Well, they argue again, and Faye takes off her bad wig to reveal that she's not a brunette, but a blonde. Surprise! Another plot twist. So, what, is this family on the run or something? We don't know. Nor do we ever find out, so don't ask. (laughs) Well, next, Roy is barking like a dog. Again, he's being so weird. Yep, yep, and we just... Let it happen. Yeah, eventually he starts hissing and storms out of the room. He goes to the trunk of his car and grabs a shotgun. Judd is begging him, asking him not to shoot the croc, but Roy won't hear of it. The croc went out after his daughter and he can't stand for that. He has to take care of it. So he goes out onto the porch and is aiming over the side and is trying to get the croc to come in so he can get this shot. And Judd attacks him with a motherfucking scythe. Yes. I mean, what is going on? It just got a thousand times cooler. It it got crazy. Again, another common tool people have on their porch. Why are all these dangerous tools just lying around? Because it's, you know, a hotel. (laughs) In case a guest needs a scythe. Uh, excuse me, do you know where I could gather some wheat? <laughs> and do you have complimentary scythes? <laughs> you walk in. oh hey, man, where'd you get that scythe? is I'll just ask the concierge. they'll hook you up. <laughs>
1: that's how we do things here. Oh my God, that's what i I need in my life. Is a hotel that gets what I need. They don't ask questions. They don't judge me. They just say, Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I will leave it at your door.
0: Hey, I'm telling you what, you got enough money. You can find those hotels. <laughs> well, Judd keeps whacking at Roy and I mean, is it just slashing? the crap out of him and again it's the same kind of situation with Clara where everything's kind of implied and we do see some blood flinging around but there's no actual penetration of weapons or anything and Judd finally makes his way in and brings the scythe up and is just about to go in for the final blow but holy shit here comes old Croc to finish him off himself he said don't worry I got it (laughs) I, I did not get enough with my appetizer. Thank you. I'm still hungry. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and this is the first time we full on see this crocodile,
1: and I swear it's made out of paper mache. It was one of those moments, uh, you know, where like the rest of the room falls silent and the spotlight comes down, and you start hearing like slow music play. <laughs> And you're like, this is this is the moment. I've spotted the love of my life. <laughs> That's what happened for me, at least. I don't know if everybody else is going to have that experience, but I felt it. Well, it
0: sounds like, you know, if you're soulmates, I, I think this is just a personal experience that you had. And how beautiful that you had that moment with this movie. I did not have that moment. Because uh, it's made out of paper mache yeah. I mean, it's not. But it looks... I mean, it looks... It literally looks like somebody made it in art class. Yeah. (laughs) I I wrote down on my notes, but it looks like a second grade class project. Yeah. Somebody look up and see if Toby Hooper had a second grader (laughs) at the time he made this movie. And did they make this? And did they get credited? Yeah. Oh, that'd be the best. Thanks to Miss Winston's second grade class. (laughs) Woohoo. Go Eagles. (laughs) You know, it, it's so sad because this is actually a really amazing kill because I actually wasn't expecting the croc to come up. Yeah. Because I thought we were going to see some great like scythe to the head or something, mm-hmm. you know, and this was going to be this really cool kill. So when croc pops up, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> but oh, it's paper mache. <laughs> and it just kind of ruins this yeah. really cool
1: moment. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely understand that.
0: But now that we full on understand what this movie is. (laughs) (laughs) We are fully
1: engaged. We get it now. We're into it.
0: So a little factoid about our croc. Apparently it wasn't made by a second grade class. Uh, It's a 17 foot long mechanical model of a Nile crocodile. uh, And it was used for the scenes uh, of the croc when it's submerged in water. The model was actually damaged late in filming after being left in the artificial pool for over 48 hours, where the water seeped into the rubber foam covering, which gave it a larger bloated appearance, and it had to be dried out for several days before filming resumed. They should have left it. It might have been an improvement.
1: Yeah, that would actually look amazing. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, you know, now it's like
0: mega croc. (laughs)
1: croxzilla oh it's a whole different movie <laughs> that crossover we didn't know we needed it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well now that roy is taken care of judd runs inside in a panic and slams back some bc powder to take the edge off you
1: know gross cracking open a cold one with the boys
0: <laughs> man people swear but by that stuff they say it's like the most amazing pain relievers especially for headaches I just that it's a oh it's a texture thing for me.
1: It's just mm-hmm. all that powder. I can't do it. Can't do it. I'm not going to make you do it. You know Thanks. what? I, I appreciate that. You do you.
0: Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. You're okay. welcome, Scout. All right. Well, we also see that Judd has got himself bit by the croc when the uh, the croc went in to to kill Old Roy. Uh, but don't worry because Judd has. <laughs> A frickin' wooden leg. Wouldn't you know it? A, a, of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> uh but maybe the old croc already collected that piece of the Judd puzzle. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and does he keep it as a souvenir and waits till he has the whole set?
1: It's like um like best friend necklaces. <laughs> I keep the leg, you keep the rest. <laughs> You know that game. That's how it's supposed to be. Now we're friends forever. Bye, bestie.
0: (laughs) Text me. Well, next, Faye comes out of the room and screams for Roy from upstairs.
1: Roy, you better be bringing up those bags. Why is she screaming? And literally, like, she comes out of the room because she just finally got her child to sleep after she's been yelling for a consistent 45 minutes. She like eases out of the room like, well, she's sleeping tiptoes, <laughs> she slowly closes the door. Right? I was like, okay, I don't, do you really think these walls are that thick, sis? Because they are not.
0: Plus, although it in no way appears to be, this is a freaking hotel. What yeah. if there are other people staying there? Rude. 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 Well, Judd tells Faye that Roy will be up in a minute, uh, so she goes off to take a bath
1: in the community bathroom? Mm-hmm, yummy. Hell to the no. I think, why not? Get loose. Get fun.
0: <laughs> Do not. Well, this just gives Judd the perfect opportunity to come in and attack the shit out of Faye. I mean, he again is slapping the crap out of her. He finally binds her hands and starts trying to strangle her. But Angie has heard the commotion, and it's woken her up, and she busts in the room. Now Judd has to go after Angie, and she takes off outside. On the way out, Judd grabs the scythe again and goes after her, but she makes it to the crawlspace under the house. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: What what can I say that is more intense than hell to the no? (laughs) Uh, You could not pay me enough money to go into the crawlspace of a house.
1: Oh, yeah no thank you could not it's uh spiderville usa not your friend snakes rats probably dead things many
0: things i do not want thank you
1: yeah i couldn't do it could you do you think you could do it if you were like in that dire situation yes i don't know if i could
0: i guarantee you you could
1: (laughs) you think so oh yes i feel like i would like just cry and fall over
0: <laughs> well you'd probably do that too but you know i'd do it inside of the crawl space <laughs> yes wait till we get into disgusting crawl space then you can break down <laughs> well judd is back inside and he's hooting at Faye. Oh, i don't know what he's doing uh and he's tied her up to the bed and he starts to freaking monologue again i don't know what he's talking about just Something about someone shooting his leg and he's got to go get the little girl from under the house. Uh, But then he's scribbling in a notebook and tells her he's got to abide by the rules. I don't know what that surmounts to or what that has to do with anything. You don't need to. Well, next we see Angie under the house and we discover if she moves too far to one area, the croc can come a little too close for comfort. So she backs off. But only to find she's also surrounded by rats. This this poor girl has had a day. Yes, Dead monkey, dead dog.
1: This is the worst zoo ever. It truly is. I don't want to come back here. <laughs> Can you imagine if, if truly that was like her first time at a zoo? <laughs> and like from here on out, like school field trips to zoos or, you know, friends invite... To a zoo for like a birthday party, and that's that just would not be a fun experience for her.
0: I imagine if this actually happened to some poor child, I don't imagine they could physically go outside ever again for the rest of their lives. Yeah, being that young, horribly traumatizing because on top of this, she doesn't even know that dad's dead, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's just an all out bad situation for this poor little child. Well, Mr. Wood and Libby, remember them? They've arrived at the local police station, and Sheriff Martin and Mr. Wood do not hit it off very well. Mr. Wood is a little miffed that the sheriff allows such goings-on as a brothel, but Sheriff Martin wants Mr. Wood to come down off his high horse, and he turns to Libby to get the reason for their visit. So Libby explains that her sister Clara is missing, and that the old coot that runs the hotel outside of town said to look at Miss Hattie's. They're hoping she isn't there, but they just gotta know for sure. So the sheriff agrees to take them to put their minds at ease. When they arrive at Hattie's, she greets the sheriff with a big old hug and calls him a hunk. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Oh, you old hunk! Where the hell you been keeping yourself?" <laughs> obviously the sheriff knows damn well what goes on at Hattie's and he don't really care too much so she talks to the woods and at first tries to sell them a piece of property I mean she's just
1: it's like a Judd situation she just kind of rambles about stuff this whole movie everybody just rambles that's what I mean like I just gave up I was like I don't know what anybody's saying I can't understand the words <laughs> you're saying. It's like, were there actually words
0: in the script? Or do they just say, okay, just talk about this. And everybody just does what they want. It's very bizarre.
1: It truly is. But it still, it works. It's like, yeah, if there's any world that this is going to work in, obviously it's going to be at this foggy <laughs> house hotel with a paper mache crock. Absolutely. Well, the Woods, of course, aren't interested in the
0: property. They just want to know if she's seen Clara, to which she claims she had never seen her. Then she asks them, where are you folks staying? Old Judd's place? That old coot used to come around here, but I had to kick him out. All he wanted to do was look and talk his crazy fool talk. Scared the girls. And she does confirm that, indeed, the croc was the one that took Judd's leg. And meanwhile, all I can do is just stare at her makeup. It's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as stimulating as Miss Hattie's conversation is, I seriously don't think Mr. Wood had a single line in this entire scene. Uh, The Woods leave. Uh, But Miss Hattie wants them to really think about that property. It's got a big old pecan tree out in the front yard. Just think about it. (laughs) That is not a selling point for me. Do you know how hard it is to mow around pecans? They're like little tiny scud missiles. I feel like mowing's hard no matter what. <laughs> it's hot and it's mm. not fun. And pecans make it worse. Yes. Well, now Judd is hooting at Angie under the house because that's the thing he does. That's our Judd boy. <laughs> and that's old Judd. Uh, and he's claiming that he doesn't want to hurt her. He's got something for her. Just come see what it is. Just a big old size. <laughs> but Angie ain't falling for it. And manages to keep him at bay until the sheriff's car pulls up, stopping Judd in his tracks. The sheriff is dropping Mr. Wood off. But didn't he drive away from here when they left? How's he supposed to get back to his car? (laughs) I was so confused at this point. I was like, why Why is he just standing here? I mean, his daughter isn't with him. Mm -hmm. Is she with the car? Does she now work for Miss Hattie? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) because he lost both daughters at this point? I feel like we missed a scene. Well, wherever Libby is, uh, Mr. Wood is alone out front and can hear like this tinkering bell sound, but he also thinks he hears a little girl crying, but it must just be his imagination. So he goes inside amid the still tinkling bells. I, I I don't know if these were like clocks going off. Yeah, I, I didn't or understand Or phones it. ringing. It was weird. Uh, and as he heads upstairs, he again hears Angie crying and then yell mommy. So he goes back outside to investigate. And of course, this is a very big mistake. Because here comes Judd and that trusty scythe. And then whack! Right to the neck, yeah. And man, Mister Wood, he he's a fighter. He mm-hmm. takes forever <laughs> to die. Yeah, it's he, so long. He didn't want to give up. He did not. And it, <laughs> and you just again, we never saw like the scythe actually go in, uh, but they cut to him, and of course he's got the fake little rubber scythe in his neck, and he's just. He keeps walking around for a good, feels like 20 minutes.
1: Like walks to the kitchen, makes himself a sandwich. (laughs) But he's like struggling the whole time. Smokes a cigarette. You can see like he's literally following. There's a trail throughout the whole house, but he just is intent on completing his day tasks. (laughs) Well, he
0: finally drops, but he's still alive. And Judd starts wrestling him on the porch, and then, surprise, paper mache croc to the legs. Croc comes up and bites him on the legs and drags him into the water.
1: He loves legs. He
0: really, really does. Well, and then, of course, Judd starts to monologue again. This time, it's something about nobody's going to listen to what he has to say. It's because, dude, no one can understand you. (laughs) Man, what are you even talking about half the time? Well, next we're at a bar, and some white boys who have obviously never heard a Texan talk before are trying to feign Texas accents. It's really about the worst I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, it's not great at all. (laughs) Uh,
0: And Buck comes up behind them uh, to buy a beer from the bar. Well, then we see that Libby Wood and Sheriff Martin in his fancy pants, they come in. Did you see his jeans? They're like... the they look like women's jeans. Oh, really? I didn't even notice. They don't even have back pockets. It looks, uh, it It was a style in the 70s. I get it. But he looks like he's going to Studio 54, not like he's the face of law in this town. Jesus. It was just very, it's like all I could look at. He would walk across the screen. I was like, damn it. Why is he wearing, this <laughs> who chose this for him? <laughs> it is a bad choice. I don't even think I noticed that's hilarious. Well, now we have some new guy we've never seen before. But for a second, I thought it was Roy, Angie's dad. Because they kind of look similar. They Mm -hmm. both have very kind of buggy eyes and wore glasses. So I was like, wait, what? But it's not. It's just some random dude. And he is not very subtly ogling a lady playing pool with Buck. But so is every other guy in the bar. But then... (laughs) (laughs) This is one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie. (laughs) Some other dude who is also playing pool confronts this random new dude about staring at this girl. And then this very weird fight happens. (laughs) And he starts doing some crazy, like, hand-flapping thing, (laughs) beating on his chest. He's hey, what are you looking at? What are you... Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> Is he doing the hand jive? Are we dancing?
1: Is this a dance off or are we fighting? Is biting? this turning
0: into a musical? I don't know what's going on. That would be amazing, actually. The fight was amazing. It was just weird. And then they just start smacking each other. Everybody or smacking loves- their own faces. They're just Everybody's smacking. Just a bunch of sissy slapping back and forth. Until Buck intervenes by telling the weird hand flapper... That it's his shot, and so he's like, "All right, you're lucky this time, dude." Ooh. Why I <laughs> If I really get these hands to flapping, <laughs> it was just the most bizarre thing. I have no idea why <laughs> any of it happened because we never revisit it. Yeah, we never see any of those people again.
1: Mm-hmm. It just happened. And actually... Maybe that's why. Like, maybe maybe they filmed that one scene and they were like, look, we really can't bring you back that was too much. That was really high energy and we can't do that. But
0: you know what? I honestly feel like my life is better for having experienced that moment. It really is something to see. I feel like I have to find at least one thing in a movie that I can say you should at least watch it for this yeah that's my that's it right there for this movie at least watch it for this stupid hand flapping (laughs) scene because somebody tell me what's going on (laughs) it's bizarre well we got to libby and the sheriff and they're sitting at a table and talking and i I guess they're there to have dinner what was this the best place in town you could take her i mean was the arby's grease trap clogged and you couldn't go there (laughs) What?
1: <laughs> it just seems so odd. I just imagine this town as just this one bar thing, a brothel, and then that one hotel. That's it.
0: I'd be like, can I take you home and make you a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> well, the waitress comes up and the sheriff orders two coffees and tells her the lady would like some food. That's very nonspecific. <laughs> your choice just whatever swill you scrape off the floor back there plate it up for the lady will you uh but (laughs) well better in weeks so really (laughs) good grief she's just lucky i'm bringing her out it's fine well while the waitress is there she complains about a patron causing a ruckus and it turns out to be old buck so eventually the sheriff goes over and asks buck to call it a night But Buck says he ain't doing nothing wrong, except for the fact he's on a date with an underage girl. We know this because when Buck claims he's not doing anything wrong, the sheriff asks, then I guess that girl you're with is drinking Coca-Cola. So Remember, the legal drinking age for alcohol had been lowered in the 60s and 70s to 18, Mm -hmm. which would imply the sheriff knows she's under 18. Mm -hmm. And he's going to kick Buck out for being rowdy, but not for being with an underage girl?
1: Boys being boys. (laughs) Boys being boys. Just kidding.
0: Well... He kicks Buck out, and Buck tries to mouth off to the sheriff, but the sheriff puts him in his place real quick, which embarrasses Buck in front of his underage girlfriend. So, of course, now he's got to pick a fight with another random person in the place to save face. But she, of course, intervenes and like, no, Buck, let's just go. Just like that. It was a perfect impression. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Well, Buck takes his lady, who's named Lynette, back to Judd's hotel, but Judd don't want him there and immediately starts yelling for him to get off his property. But Buck's already paid and Lynette knows how to sweet talk Judd, and that throws him off his crazy game, so Buck's off to do what rhymes with Buck. Well, next, the sheriff is dropping Libby off at the woods' car and promises to put out an APB for Clara. And tells Libby she looks tired. Really, fuck off. Do you know the kind of day I've had, asshole? Mm-hmm. I would mean, just—I know people say it—it's—it's it's out of concern. Like you look tired. You should go lay down. I get it, but still, I'm tired. Don't be rude to me. <laughs> just say you look
1: fantastic. <laughs> would you like to take a nap? <laughs> Look, you've never looked better. Could you actually go get a little bit of sleep? Yeah. Because I need you to actually take that down a notch. Because we're all jealous, sister. So go get a nap. This is lovely. (laughs) (laughs) So you got to hype them up.
0: (laughs) Well, back at the starlight, Buck and Lynette are getting down to business. But we also see shots of Angie hiding under the house calling for her mommy And Faye still tied up and struggling on the bed while Judd is listening to everything and being a creep. It's very disconcerting to see these scenes of terror intertwined with close-ups of breasts and butt cracks. Mm -hmm. It's just, it was like, this is, number one, I know she's an underage girl, and now I'm also seeing a a five-year-old in peril and a woman tied down in almost no clothing on the bed. I mean, it's just, (laughs) it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to attack the senses at once. Yeah, yeah, it's very chaotic. Well, finally, Angie and Faye start making enough noise that Buck and Lynette start to get suspicious. But Judd can hear them too, and he goes into the room where he's holding Faye and gets her to quiet down. But Buck has already decided to go see what's up and can hear Angie outside, so he goes out on the porch, and he thinks that he can hear something coming from under the house, so he keeps leaning over the railing. He'll walk to one spot and lean way over mm-hmm. and kind of look out, and then he'll go to another. It's it's a really good moment of suspense yeah, because yeah, you're it, like, is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. It builds that tension. It really does. Well, then we see Judd coming up behind him, and he knows that Buck can hear Angie so he's got to take care of Buck. Well, Buck hears Judd coming and turns around and has that look of horror, but he's too late. And Judd pushes him into the water. But where's the crock? And Buck is yelling at Judd and he's swimming and he almost makes it to a dock. And is just about to pull himself up. And boom, paper mache crock. Took him down. Right in the leg. When you don't expect it, expect, expect it. it. <laughs> Well, Lynette can hear Buck's death scream, so she runs outside in a t-shirt and her underoos. And Judd and his old sling blade take to chasing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just too damn foggy for old Judd, and he loses Lynette in the woods, leaving her able to make it to the road. And a tiny little car picks her up. <laughs> I was like, why is it so small? Uh, and Judd is pissed. And here we have this moment, and he realizes that she's gotten away, and he knows the jig is up. She's going to tell on him, Mm -hmm. and uh, everything is just Everything's been
1: going so good so far.
0: (laughs) How could this have possibly gone wrong? But he takes his scythe and puts it over his head and is just shaking it and screaming in anguish. And it's the Leatherface moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's that same moment at the end when he realizes he's failed and his victim has gotten away. Feeling of like anger and defeat. Yeah, exactly. It's all over. And, uh, And so Judd has his moment. Well, next we see Libby arrive back at the hotel and she goes upstairs to her room and she sits on her bed and slowly, calmly starts to unwind from a long, stressful day. She's taking off her shoes and rubbing her feet, rolling her shoulders (laughs) and stretching, and then, boom, she's naked. It was like, what? How did... We were going through this whole, just, I'm taking it easy, and then all of a sudden her clothes are off. (laughs) Well, now Judd has returned from his failed chase of Lynette and removes the fencing that is blocking the crock from going all the way under the house, putting Angie in danger. Meanwhile, Faye is violently thrashing herself on the bed again. I think you even made a comment at one point. You're like, gee, she's going to rip her arms out of her sockets.
1: Yeah, I was like, I didn't understand like how they were. It almost looked like an exorcism.
0: Yeah, it was
1: crazy.
0: But it works, and she finally gets Libby's attention. So, <sighs> The next three minutes of this film gets pretty chaotic and I'm going to do my best to try and break it down for you. So here we go. Buckle up. So Angie is crawling for her life and Faye is thrashing and Libby is untying her in a panic and the croc comes at Angie with a gaping mouth that you know they just couldn't figure out how to get it open and closed and Angie runs through a net and climbs a fence and then Faye and Libby are escaping and Libby is calling for her daddy and Faye is calling to Angie but it sounds like Nancy and I'm like who the hell is Nancy (laughs) and before they can get down the stairs Judd chases him back with his scythe then he comes up on the landing and lunges at Faye who gets a big old gash on her. Her upper thigh and Judd almost goes out the window but manages to get back inside and in the meantime Libby has made it downstairs and outside where she's still calling for her daddy and she doesn't know she's gonna have to wait 24 hours for that croc to BM her pop-up but she does see Angie who climbed to the top of the fence but I guess it's startled by Libby and she falls backward but a leg is caught allowing Libby to stop her from falling all the way and Judd is still inside and he grabs Faye and throws her over the railing to the first floor but she ain't dead yet and Libby's struggling to pull angie up and now here comes judd shaking on the fence trying to knock everybody off and faye is trying to make it to the front door with a leg half severed off and a broken arm and she's trying to stand up and her body's all contorted and freaky and i hate it but then she's a brave little toaster and manages to get up and get outside and pushes fucking jed over the railing where he is consumed by his own crocodile
1: that's so weird that our notes are the exact same thing <laughs> how do we do that we, we are always so quirky like that. Simpatico. <laughs> well, next we see
0: Sheriff Martin pull up. Presumably, Lynette contacted him. And Libby has finally gotten Angie off the fence, and the two embrace in a death grip, despite the fact they don't know each other from Adam. And I do not blame them. Either one of them. I would just, the nearest human that isn't trying to kill me, yeah. please embrace me and hold me and never let me go. <laughs> I need to hug somebody nice, please. Please. (laughs) Well, Sheriff checks on Faye and tells her everything's going to be okay as we see Judd's leg float to the surface. We hold that shot as Faye continues screaming words, but you can't understand what she's saying. Even the closed captions just had the word screaming. (laughs) Maybe she's still looking for that mysterious Nancy she was so concerned about. But <laughs> well, we
1: fade to black.
0: Roll credits.
1: So during that scene when the like, leg popped up, yeah, at first I didn't know that it was the leg. <laughs> <laughs> and in my notes I said, because of course I always just write things how I think them, I said at first I didn't realize that floating wooden leg was a leg. I thought it was a bowling pin. And I was so confused why bowling all of a sudden was so <laughs> ominous. <laughs>
0: went bowling again <laughs> and that's it that's the flick it was it was really something else it was a crazy ride but boy was it fun
1: yeah it a thousand percent was a lot of fun
0: well we got
1: some prompts to get to are you ready i'm ready well lay on me what was your popcorn spiller so for me it was actually that our kind of first scene with Judd and Clara outside where uh you know he pitchforks her to death um basically it just kind of I think really set the tone for what we're going to be dealing with from the whole rest of the movie with the gore and the kills and everything like that and it was like you said kind of perfectly excessive like it, it in the fact that it was like there was the perfect amount of sound and the perfect amount of like fake blood but it Mm -hmm. wasn't too much so that it was like gratuitous and we weren't getting a whole lot of like just watching it in and out in and out happening yeah um but i i liked that it was like yeah this is how judd is like that (laughs) he just is gonna go ape shit like that's how he kills people there's no rhyme or reason and he once he does it he just keeps going and so yeah it was definitely the initial moment where i was like oh all right okay, this is what we're doing. Got it. Noted.
0: <laughs> what about for you? Well, for me, honestly, it was when Roy had his first weird little fit thing. Mm-hmm. It, I, again, it was so out of left field yeah. and awkward and off-putting. I just cringed the whole time. I was like, what is <laughs> happening? This is not what I thought this movie was going to be. Yeah,
1: You definitely kept like looking at me, like, you had wide eyes the whole time. You'd, like, look at me and look at the TV, and then you'd look back at me like, what?
0: What is happening? <laughs> I just, there was something about it. It just got under my skin. Yeah. I did not like it. Yeah. Yeah, so that just, that did it for me. And And, of course, you know, then he had his weird barking like dogs and mm-hmm. hissing and stuff, and that was just kooky. Yeah. But that first one was
1: just seemed... Ooh, something
0: is really wrong here. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, who was your scene stealer? <laughs> Mine
0: has got to be the dude who did his crazy floppy arm dance. <laughs> it was the most absurd thing I've seen in a long time, and I just thought it was a thing of beauty. I was, I was almost in awe of it. I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> because it made absolutely no sense yeah it was just fantastic and so <laughs> I just wanted more of that guy and so when I re-watched it again today I always watch it for a second time and make sure I haven't missed anything or fill in some parts I I wanted to flesh out a bit I actually watched that scene like two or three times <laughs> just because I thought it was just so entertaining it's so bizarre And and so, yeah, I really wanted him to become some sort of character, or at least he somehow makes it to the house and we get a death with him or something. He just really, I guess, was a good comic relief for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. What about you? Who
0: was your scene stealer?
1: Uh, For me, it was Miss Hattie, uh, you know, and for obvious reasons. Yeah. It was just one of those things I really was legitimately confused. I couldn't tell if the makeup was just bad Or if it was age makeup, it like almost wrote the line of like distracting. Like Uh I couldn't focus on when she was talking. And so, which was unfortunate because whenever we were like about to watch it, you were like looking at the cast and everything and you had kind of gone through everybody. And I was genuinely excited to see her in this movie. Uh Um, And and so it was a little bit of like a letdown that like I was distracted by this weird fleshy latex around her mouth the whole time yeah it was a a
0: really really odd decision yeah and you know carolyn jones is is a beautiful woman Mm -hmm. so in her 40s wouldn't have looked anything like what they made her look like in this movie yeah Uh, and so it was just and i guess she was supposed to be kind of funny and quirky so maybe that was kind of the shtick of it yeah i
1: don't yeah
0: it was just more distracting Mm -hmm. I, i didn't get the joke
1: yeah yeah. So definitely like anytime she was on screen, I immediately, my eyes just went to her. because it was like, and and sometimes it was even like, at this point they, they had to have fixed it, right? Like we're, <laughs> we're in here and that first scene, they, they had to have looked at it and was like, nope, this isn't reading well on camera. Things have got to change and they still haven't. All right. Okie doke. And so, yeah, it just, and, and in honestly, like I can laugh at it now and now that I've seen the movie as a whole and I realized like the tone of the movie and everything I just think it only adds to the weirdness of everything and mm-hmm. so I don't I don't think it detracts from it you know it just she definitely stole the scenes for me because all I could do was stare at her face <laughs> <laughs> well how about your gorgasm so for me I ended up choosing our side through the neck guy as cheesy as the makeup was it was just it was again all in good fun and I just a I appreciated that they were like yeah we're gonna we're gonna do it through the neck and it's gonna look bad but we're still gonna <laughs> make it happen and they did and I appreciated that and yeah. I just thought it was a fun makeup choice a fun kill I guess you know for this for this movie so outside of like our gator kills I thought this was a, a really fun one what about for you for me I gotta go when Faye gets the
0: scythe through the leg in uh, oh, yeah, our big yeah. climax at the mm-hmm. end that thing I mean I swear they probably only just kind of smeared a bunch of blood right mm-hmm. there but it actually gave the impression that a good portion of her thigh was sliced open yeah, there and yeah. it just it was so off-putting to me and and when she would try I, I think it was more Marilyn's performance yeah. here and, you know, we talked about her when she was in Texas Chainsaw about how she's just really good at these intense moments. Mm-hmm. Her regular acting, eh, maybe not so much, but man, when it comes down to it, she really pulls from somewhere deep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, after he has thrown her over the, the railing and she's, you know, lying on the floor, at that point, she's now either dislocated a shoulder or has broken her arm or something. But now she cannot use one leg and one arm and so she's trying to scoot herself across the floor and it really does look like you know she's injured Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so when she gets to that doorway and starts to try and stand up and you can see that gash there. And uh, and you see she bends her body in some weird contorted way. And it almost looks like her leg is bending unnaturally. Yeah, And it makes me think like <laughs> it's bending because it's sliced there. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Even thinking about it now, uh, the, my neck muscles are all tense. Yeah. It just... Oh, God. And then the way she moves to get up, it just... That whole sequence gave me the heebie-jeebies. So yeah, that that is definitely it for me. I I thought that looked amazing.
1: Yeah, it was a little too effective for you. Yeah. It really was, though. It it was a really good scene. And then up next, of course, we have memorable mortality. Who was that for you? I got to go with Roy's death.
0: I love that surprise final death blow dealt by the croc. I, I really thought we were gonna see a scythe to the noggin. Mm-hmm. Instead, I get a peekaboo paper mache crocodile. Yeah. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, it was a little spoiled because it looked so terrible, but it it was a really it was really well done.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. That was a really fun one. And
0: what about you? What was your memorable mortality?
1: So for me, I actually ended up choosing Buck. I just, only because I really didn't anticipate him playing as big of a role as he did. Uh I really just thought he was going to have this one-off role there at the top as kind of the sleazy dude that just was the reason that Clara left. He was the reason that she, you know, got herself in the situation uh, of having to leave. And then now she ends up at the hotel, blah, blah, blah. And so the fact that he kind of becomes like this recurrent character I was like, okay. But then whenever he ended up dying, I was like, what the hell? Like, what? It, it just was so unexpected. And yeah. then and then they kind of tease it even more by not having the croc get him right away. Yeah. He was able to hold on to the uh, dock for a while. Uh-huh. And so, again, I'm like, oh, okay, no, they're not really going to kill him. And then they still ended up killing him. And I was like, what? I don't understand. What the fuck, Buck? <laughs> yeah, that that's...
0: I, I thought the same thing because when he starts swimming, as soon as he started swimming, I was like, oh, every other time it's been like, bang, instant attack. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that he's still swimming, maybe the croc is full or something mm-hmm. and they're going to let him get away. Uh, but then when I saw we're seeing him swim to the dock, I kind of figured, oh, we're going to have our pull him from behind. Yeah. Going. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the big question. Do we put it in the vault? or leave it in the dead zone?
1: For uh, me, this one was obviously really fun. And I'll be honest, I didn't have much of an idea at all what was <laughs> happening. Like I said, there was kind of this moment where uh, I kind of checked out mentally. Uh-huh. I, a lot of days, uh, most days lately, I've been working like almost 11, 12 hour days. And then we watched these after I, I clock out. And so yeah, there's that kind of moment where I like just kind of log off for a minute even mentally but i think this is a movie you can do that with like they try to kind of work in that side plot with like having uh clara's dad come in Mm -hmm. and and, you know kind of want us to grow attached to this character and stuff like that but i I really think you don't have to have you don't have to have that in this movie and so because i was able to do that I, I really think that if that's a movie that you need in your life, I think this has to go in the vault for that reason It's just a checkout movie a movie that I can just check out and enjoy for as ridiculous as it is
0: yeah i I agree a hundred percent. I too put in my notes that I wanted to put it in the vault and I put that I think this is another one of those films that is exactly what you go to the drive-in to watch. Mm-hmm. You just watch it to have fun. yeah. You know, it's one of those you can go with your friends, you're all sitting in the car, but you can, you know, be goofy and, and, you know, have conversations with each other, but still
1: have this movie playing and enjoy the heck out of it Mm -hmm.
0: and and laugh and have a good time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think you still do get the thrill of there are surprising things that happen in Mm -hmm. the movie. And so you still do have your occasional little small, very small, minute jump scares. But I think they're still there and I still think it's fun and yeah I just I think I was really surprised because we had really kind of gone into this one blindly we had mostly chosen it just because again we were trying to see movies we haven't seen and because neither of us had seen this one we we thought it would be a fun choice so yeah I didn't have any expectations and it just kind of I guess, (laughs) blew what wasn't there out of the water. I don't know how they can blow expectations out of the water that weren't there. (laughs) But yeah, I I was just honestly really surprised at how fun it was. So yeah, I really liked it.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. This is one of those, you can put it on anytime, anywhere, have it playing in the background and just have fun with it.
1: Yeah. And I think that you need that even in horror. Oh, for sure. It can't always be
0: terrifying. You have to let us breathe a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely
0: well that's gonna do it for us episode 14 is
1: in the can in the
0: can thank you so much for joining us if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the dead zone drive-in on your favorite listening platform and if you're looking for a way to support us we would be so grateful if you would leave a rating and or review and if you screenshot that review and send it to us We're going to send you your very own Dead Zone Drive-In sticker for free. That's no money's honey. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at deadzonedrivein at gmail.com.
1: And if you're wanting to reach us by snail mail, our address is P.O. Box 12665, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73157. We'll be sure to pick it up when we're driving through town. Also, be sure to cruise down to our show notes, where you'll find a link tree URL to our socials and our Letterboxd, which is a site and app, to keep up with all the movies we're watching. Lastly, be sure to seek us out next week, as we'll be watching another Craven classic from 1977, The Hills Have Eyes. And if you want to check out its trailer, don't worry, we got you. It is also linked down in the show notes. Another one I haven't seen. I'm very excited.
0: And, of course, a big thank you to our house band Slime and the Maggot Boob at last weekend's screening, their cover of the Cardigans' Love Fool. Fucking shredded, man! Who knew that song could
1: be so aggressive? It's my new ringtone.
0: And remember, if you're looking for the Dead Zone and want to join us for a weekend screening, if you've listened to this episode in its entirety, you'll have been provided with all the information you need. Don't forget your tickets... Good night, folks, and please buckle up. We'll be waiting for you.
1: Upon learning that one of his guests is a sex worker, sex, sex workie?
0: <laughs> oh, no. No, no.
1: No, no, no. No, no, no. You take that back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, okay. It's like, where was I? Oh, yeah. Sex Worky. <laughs> you were
0: at Sex Worky. I
1: was like, no need to remind myself.
0: And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon.
1: Good night.